welcome to Us Without Illusions. We are back in Angel Grove, and we're back for uh, a really interesting and peculiar season in Power Rangers' uh, long, long tenure. And uh, here with us to <laughs> to discuss all of all the oddities of this. Here to discuss. Here to talk about all the uh, absurdities of season two, we have a real Power Rangers expert, Super Sentai expert, and somebody hosts a show that just happens a little bit to pertain to this subject matter. Just a, just a sort of tangential uh, uh, thing in common with what we're talking about. We have Kennedy Cooper here with us. Kennedy, you want to tell us a little about yourself? Hi, thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited to talk about Power Rangers season two. Uh, Power Rangers is something I talk about a lot on the Sentai Truther Club, uh, which is a show I do with my buddy Grav, and we cover a lot of different tokusatsus, and uh, we covered uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Season 2 way back, and I'm really excited for a chance to revisit it, because it's been a while since I thought about it, and it's a great thing. Uh, I also do a lot of other stuff, and if you uh, want to follow me, I'm at Kennedy T. Cooper on Twitter because I do, like, too many shows to even possibly name right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll link to all of that in the episode description. But I think really the most beautiful thing about having you on, Kennedy, is uh, for, for listeners who really like this episode, you have an entire podcast dedicated to this subject. I mean, our uh, SRI Illusion, not a Power Ranger show specifically. Uh, we cover a lot of different stuff. If people are like, oh, my God, I really love what Kennedy has to say, you have a whole show. That's, uh, you know, there's, it's always great when you can say, you know, if you like this, here's where you can go, uh, af after the show. That's great. We'll link to all of that. And, uh, season two, this is a really, really weird, uh, season that, that I, I guess it kind of, it's a show that was almost like in a lot of ways, a victim of its own success, or it was kind of yeah. unprepared to deal with like the global phenomenon that it was going to be. And this is a season where they're really trying to figure out what Power Rangers is going to be moving forward. Yeah, it's really, um, before we even talk about season two, let's just recap a little bit how we got to a season two of the Power Rangers. Season one of the Power Rangers was an unexpected smash success. And it was such a big success that uh, they they made more Power Rangers than they planned on. Um, and uh, so... Uh, in season one, there's these uh, a two-part episode called Doomsday that, if you've seen it, really feels like the end of the season, and it was. They only extended it because of the extreme popularity of the show. So here we are, season two, extremely popular show. They're trying to figure out how to continue it, and they're running out of Sentai footage that matches the suits that they're using and stuff like that. and. Uh, that need to make tons and tons of content kind of leads them into these weird places and turns this into a bizarre mishmash season featuring uh, footage from Zoo Ranger, uh, Die Ranger, and also uh, Toei shot some special footage just for Saban to use for season two also. So... The Sentai footage that they're using, they're compositing from several sources, and I think it shows. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I well, the the for for viewers who are, aren't super familiar with all the ins and outs of the super. I mean, m most people who are listening to a Power Ranger podcast know that, uh, you know, m most of the Zord morph footage is uh, uh, Japanese, and uh, you know, they're they're adapting it, and they're kind of sort of reverse engineering a show around that. They've got the high school footage, right. and they've got that. And in this season, it really shows because of of how infrequently the Zords ever actually touch the monsters. It's like it's they're very. I mean, this is something that Hollywood does a lot, like uh, in, in the pandemic and in a lot of those reunion, like Arrested Development, What Out American Summer, First Day. Of right. Camp, they they take actors who are not there on the same day, and then they 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 make it look like they were there. I mean, you can kind of tell if you watch it a couple times. This is exactly like that. There's all these Zord battles. And the funny thing is, too, I mean, it, it kind of contributes the the all, all the hecticness of, of how they shot it. it. It makes it feel like it's low budget, when in reality, this is like a time... I mean, they commissioned new original monsters just for the show. I mean, it's a time where the budget's got to have been, like, ballooning out of control, really. Yeah. Well, what's so funny, they commission these original monsters and Zord fights, and then they end up not using some of them. Oh, my God, yeah. 
uh, because uh, they're using the Die Ranger Zords. And so then they're they're splicing together what could have been good footage and making it bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really it, it's really <laughs> remarkable. And I mean, it's all like like in a lot of ways, you could kind of imagine a world where um, I mean, it, if it wasn't for the Dino Zords becoming the Thunder Zords, you could really imagine like season two starting and basically having it be season what like essentially 1.5 like the green ranger is still the green ranger and he's a green ranger for a, a, a fair amount of time and yet like they have to change the zords and the big other change is uh you know rita repulsa is kind of like a comical villain she's got the loud screechy ah after 100 i mean she spoke at the uh, 2020 republican national convention she's dating don jr um like she's she's very funny and then they replace her and it's Lord Zed, and I mean, I, he, he watching those early episodes of season two, he is scary as shit. He really, yeah, is. yeah. They actually, they kind of got, uh, not exactly in like trouble, trouble, but they, they kind of had to tone down season two after a point because they were getting a number of complaints, especially because this is at the height of uh, Mortal Kombat, the video game. Oh yeah, and there was a big craze. Uh, around Mortal Kombat with parents freaking out and going, you know, our kids, they're going to they're gonna kill each other trying to replicate the Mortal Kombat moves. Uh, and uh, there was a bit of a pushback towards some of the violence on television, and in particular, the Power Rangers kind of got uh, a, a lot of uh, negative feedback about the early part of this season and that's why like lord zed gets way softer and goofier over the course of the season and also uh things like the ranger weapons uh kind of get dialed back slowly until they're not really a feature anymore yeah and the only well uh the, the giant uh, uh the red ranger sword pink ranger's bow not his uh the black ranger sort of like axe also cannon type i mean all of them were also like physical melee weapons that could shoot shoot blasters and the bow couldn't actually shoot any bows which was odd she didn't have a quiver um but we did we did have she to see dagger once that's true yeah <laughs> well you know from from my perspective i wasn't really i i kind of like when i'm looking for a random episode to watch season two has some appeal because like for me, like as a, I just remember in college, like you know, getting really stoned with my roommates and watching, and being really angry when there wasn't a Zord battle, like I'd been cheated, like when there was right. when they end when they end it and they're using the weapons. So from that perspective, I was upset, but at the same time, I mean, one of the, I think maybe the single like biggest sort of like uh, tragedy of of what happened with the Zords and the Sente footage. Uh, you know, using the Thunder Zords, not being able to use the Dino Zord footage that they'd already filmed, was that the Dragon Zord really faded to black very early on into the season? And yeah. Dragon Zord is really that's those Zord battles are some of the best parts of season one. Like that's a really really fun Zord to watch fight. Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody loves the Dragon Zord. <laughs> like that's just a that's a classic for a reason. And yeah, they kind of fumble a lot of the things that made the show work. But on the other hand, there's a lot of high concept storytelling in season two. And although a lot of it sort of flops, it's still interesting the ambition with which they approached parts of this season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this season, we talk about like uh, the thing about Power Rangers or uh, a lot of the Star Trek, uh, like The Next Generation and uh, Voyager are really, and, and there's plenty of, I mean, Law and Order, I mean, any procedural, they're built for syndication. They're built to be watched out of order, and that affects a lot of storytelling. And season two of Power Rangers has so many two parts that you really can't i mean you can watch them out of order you will miss things and not only not only didn't uh, did they have a lot of two-part episodes they also had a lot of sort of more serialization like the continuation of tommy losing his powers and then of course the infamous uh you know there have been a lot of really great uh, people who have tried to solve world peace and have failed and they've you know dedicated their lives to it 
Power Rangers tried to send three teenagers to Sweden for an un- unknown period of time to solve peace, and that actually got a long-term... That got a couple episodes of Plotline uh, when we, we had to say goodbye to Jason, Zach, and Trini. Yes. Uh, another issue with the production this season was that they were having <laughs> lots of behind-the-scenes conflict with actors, writers, and other people. Um, so that also led to interesting production choices that might not have been made otherwise. But I will say this whole UN plot, I actually did kind of love because like, what, what a wonderful world we would live in (laughs) if, uh, we recruited like talented and promising and heroic young people to like go make the decisions for the future so that, you know, we're ensuring a good, a, a good planet for years to come. It's kind of beautiful. <laughs> and not only that, I mean, it's also kind of ironic that these are the te- these were the teenagers with attitude. I'm not even sure that's still in the opening because they revamped the credits a bit. And uh, in, in the beginning of the show, it was, you know, Alpha, Summon Me, Teenagers with Attitude, five teenagers with attitude at the time. Yeah, so they, they start off the show a little rough around the edges, a little attitude. And now they're solving world peace. I mean, that that's a really, really good arc. And now, uh, you know, Jason has come back to the show uh, a number of times. He was actually back like a year or two ago, wasn't he? I think so, yeah. he ca- He's come back over and over. Well, the Gold Ranger <laughs> would be the uh, probably the most, and then also in the Turbo movie. But, yeah, we lose Jason. We lose the show's lead. And it's funny how it it really interests me how Power Rangers went from kind of like you know the 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 pay disputes. They were, I mean, they were getting paid like absolutely. It's a it's an absolute disgrace, and I don't blame any of them for leaving. But yeah, at this, it's weird that the show took that kind of approach to their valuation, having just gone through multiple instances of realizing that they really can't get rid of Tommy. Like they <laughs> they, they they go they they it was just they tried to write him out a couple times, and each time he's back because he was just that big of a global phenomenon. It's funny that they take the then attitude of being like, okay, you know, we'll get rid- we won't get rid of him. We've tried to, okay, we'll stop. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, here's these three originals. Uh, you're all gone. Bye. Here's Rocky and uh, Adam and Aisha. Yeah. And I don't mind the changeover entirely. Uh, Adam and Aisha in particular, I think are great characters. Um, especially Adam, you don't get to see his full power now but he's another person who comes back several times and it you you slowly realize that he's a a fantastic character (laughs) yeah and Uh, he sticks around too uh rocky gets unfortunately hurt in the turbo movie and has to be replaced by a young child who actually ironically kind of you know tommy in the the white ranger in the sentai footage isn't isn't he's a young child too right the Sentai, yeah, the Sentai footage that uh, they're using, the Die Ranger footage, the White Ranger is a little kid, a young child, who turns into a full-size ranger in the same manner that we later see in Turbo. What is it with this series and child soldiers? It's kind of, you know... I... <laughs> well, you know what's kind of funny about this season? So, like, I, I early on in the show, they would have, like, after a Zord battle, they'd have, like, a news report. Of, of basically like well you know angel grove was attacked today but the power rangers saved it i feel like this season they got like, that kind of that stuff like the the non-morphed universe was kind of becoming less less attuned to what the power rangers were actually doing with one key exception we had bulk and skull who were bullies in the beginning of the show and now they're, you know, they're they were kind of mean, and they weren't too much fun to. Well, they were fun, I guess, from a viewer standpoint, but uh, they weren't fun characters. And now they're they're like really just cartoonish, and they're really just there. They have this never-ending quest to find the identity of the Power Rangers, so they really care who the Power Rangers are. Yeah, and that's a plot that like kind of works, <laughs> but they're doing I don't know. their best. <laughs> Uh, I, you you may already know my theory about Bulk, but Bulk is is a rich fail son, as far as I could tell. And I, I think if you really frame a lot of what Bulk and Skull are up to around that idea, it makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's like, it. That... He's just messing around all the time and commissioning weird scientific devices. 
Yeah, I mean, one has got to really kind of admire his ambition. I mean, the two of them, they do a lot, and like, they commit to a lot of gags, too, like going inside a hot dog cart. I don't know how they got in. Um, but they really, they really do. They, 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 they commit to this, and it, it makes a lot of that. I mean, we also saw some a lot more physical comedy this year. I mean, probably that's a product of uh, them having more control of the footage that was shot. But uh, Lord Zed, you know, the the Zords are supposed to be more powerful, and yet the the Tiger Zord gets beaten by the Dragon Zord, and the Putties are supposed to be more powerful, and yet they, it's kind of like an instance, like in the original Star Wars trilogy. The first Death Star seems a hell of a lot harder to beat than the second Death Star, and these putties yeah. have like a, a symbol because the Death. I mean, the, the hole's big. The Millennium Falcon can fit in this hole. You can't. I mean, it's much easier to destroy the second Death Star. Um, yeah, you can just drop, fly anything in there. It's there's plenty of openings. Yeah, as soon as the Ewoks got the shield down, it was very easy. And these, like, you could you could conceivably trip a Lord Zed putty, and they could explode because they. they they have like this this just symbol that's on their chest. It's it's like an easy moving target. I mean, is this guy supposed to be intimidating or not? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I will say too, uh, it, it definitely it had the feeling of like when you play a video game and you're like facing off against the first minion and it's like green slime or whatever, and like that's the the minion that you're fighting everywhere. It's green slimes, and then you get to the next zone and it's like red slimes. Uh, but you like way over leveled yourself in the first area, and like the new minions are just completely unimpressive compared to that. Like that's how the Rangers feel. They just dunk on the new putties really hard all the time, and <laughs> there just doesn't seem to be anything useful about the new putties most of the time. <laughs> no, and I mean they're. It's it's always fun to like uh, this season had a lot of like really really fun sequences where the Rangers aren't morphed and that nine nineties rock band that I played in all of them and they're like playing pump up music like the and they're fighting on a jungle gym with the putties and it's so easy to. It's like easy to laugh, and yet at the same, like it's it's. I just I, I I can remember distinctly like being a little kid and and just how blown away I was by how great this fight choreography was. And I mean, as somebody like covers TV now, a lot of this prestige like formula is like we'll have one huge battle that costs like tens of millions of dollars. I'm very impressed with the way Power Rangers each episode was introducing original fight choreography and executing it like clockwork, like it was nothing. But it's not nothing. It's really impressive to watch. Yeah, and it's not just like a, a formula that stays the same all the time, and especially in season two. Uh, you know, you don't know, is it going to just lead up to a big fight, or is it going to be a bunch of small fights? What kinds of stuff's going to go on? It really varies. You know, there's some, like, intense one-on-one -on -one showdowns between Tommy and Goldar and stuff of that nature, too, that's really, like, uh, some of that is like just top tier action movie of the era style stuff. Yeah, Especially like in, when they're in the shadow zone and places like that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm really glad you brought that up because I, like when I said earlier that the show is kind of a victim of its own success, um, you know, it, it, when 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 TV, I mean, breakout characters are uh pretty common in TV, like a character that they weren't necessarily were expecting to be the star becomes the star, and then you kind of see a pivot, and the show responds, and that character becomes way more important. Sometimes they're a guest star, and they become a series regular, and all of that kind of stuff. Because Power Rangers was filmed, it borrowed so much of the Sente footage, they have this character who's who's ballooning in popularity, and they're not in a great position to be like, okay... Power Rangers is now Tommy's show. He uh, they they make him the leader in White Light, but I mean they a lot of those Goldar sequences that you just mentioned were kind of the product of the fact that they didn't have a Zord sequence for him to use in that particular episode. So they had to find something for him to do that was interesting. Right. There's even one episode where he calls the Zord, but then you don't actually see it. Which is interesting. Huh. <laughs> Um, it, it, there's really some continuity errors or in this uh, season. I know earlier you were saying sometimes it's hard to just pick a random episode, but honestly, some of the multi-parters are so confused and disjointed that you would you would think you missed an episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when 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 you think about the peace conference, they need the sword of light to transfer the powers over. Like, 
for for a plot line that essentially stemmed over a pay dispute, like I mean, this happens on TV all the time. A character leaves, and you 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 kind of think to write them out very quickly and quietly, and basically say like, you don't even mention them again. I mean, have, there's a it's there's a, a phrase for it called Chuck Cunningham syndrome. This was like it was like they went out of their way to make this even more convoluted and more like sometimes i'm like sitting there thinking like you could write an academic like there should be more academic writing on how season two was like just plotted out because it is very it's very complex yeah and it's it's too much at times yeah i agree it is very interesting how because there's the whole ninja encounter arc where we meet the new rangers but they don't become the new rangers yet and there's several more episodes and the ninja encounter itself is like a three-part arc but they don't get the powers at the end of it. They don't transfer the powers yet. Like, it's wild the amount of effort that they put into some of this storytelling to try to make everything work in some fashion. Um, and it just doesn't always actually succeed, though. Like, the Ninja Encounter, that's like the worst episodes of this season. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would probably... I'd probably agree with that. Uh, I mean, there are some really... Uh, Beauty and the Beast is a particularly funny... That's a good Kimberly Tom, uh, Tommy episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird. So, I mean, the Ninja Encounter is the 22nd episode of the season. They don't get rid of the characters. Uh, they don't do the actual power transfer until the second part, the, the 28th episode. So we have a pay dispute... That I mean, this sh we this show is supposed to essentially film at like a breakneck speed. They take six episodes to write out the characters who are like I, I've read that they went on strike. I'm not 100 percent sure if that's what really happened, but I mean, Billy and Zio kind of had a similar exit where uh, he left before he was actually uh, uh, written out, and they had to kind of dub him new lines in to say goodbye. And that's kind of what that was actually here. because of homophobia, if you didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's uh you know poor uh brian brian not brian cranston uh billy cranston's name david yost is his name yeah that's yeah. uh hearing a lot of uh what he had to go through in that and i loved that season too so that makes me extra sad that uh you know having billy as a helper in alpha i thought that was cool because you got to keep an original character involved and then you learn why he was not a ranger anymore and it's like uh, duck. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to get too far into other seasons, but I will say there's some real missed potential with him leaving early. And also, I will say that in my mind, I will always think that Billy designed the Turbozords, regardless of the fact yeah. that they didn't fully confirm that because they sort of ended that arc early. That's a, Yeah, I, I would agree with that. That is uh, for a different time, though, because this is season two, and Billy is still a ranger, and I mean, he's really the MVP of the ranger. He... I, He's I just a great wanted... ranger right now. Oh, yeah. And when um when when Zach uh when uh Jason Zach and Trini leave because Zach would do the morphing sequence when uh when Jason wasn't there and I was uh, watching an episode earlier and it was uh, Billy Billy Adam and uh, Aisha and he got to say you know it's morphing time and it's like you know you go Billy you're 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 always gonna be an MVP in my heart. Yeah. Billy's character this season is funny as heck because they make him like like a, 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 a cool guy who has sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, it's nice to see him not just like, you know, hold up in the command center or designing sort of revolutionary technology with like only Trini as like slight help and doing it like within uh, several minutes as the Zord is, is fighting. There was an episode. I mean, Billy, Billy's work over the course of Mighty Morphin Power Ranger. I mean, he should have probably gotten a few Nobel Prizes for all the uh, genius that he did. And, uh, you know, he's probably somewhere uh, outside of Angel Grove with a few PhDs now. Oh, no, he's on Aquatar. Yeah, he's, he's on PhDs. Aquatar. He's yeah. got P P <laughs> PhDs there. Yeah, it's... To think about this season, too... Because, I mean, this is a season they have... They have uh, 50 episodes of footage, I mean, under their belt. They kind of know what they can and can't do with the Angel Grove uh, uh, sequences or their homegrown shots. So we got to see, like, cooler thing. We, we we got to, for the first time this season, see Rangers without their helmets on. And 
Like, I even remember as a kid seeing, like, Tommy, especially, I mean, White Light was such a big deal when it came out because it was one of the few Power Rangers episodes that was on uh, VHS, and you could, you know, beg your parents to rent it for you and listen to them explain to you why uh, it wasn't a good idea to keep renting a tape that was only, like, 15 minutes lo- long. But, um, I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure they all loved that, but like just seeing Tommy without his or or the other areas of the command center, which they showed Goldar invades the command center a couple times over the course of his run. Seeing all yeah. that kind of stuff, it felt like this was a universe that was expanding in a really good way. Yeah, um, gosh, White Light that was that's one of the trippiest episodes, especially in these early seasons. The, the end of part one, uh, there's like this sort of like Frankenstein's monster sequence with Alpha and Tommy. It's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, and the rangers are kind of like creeping and they see like his body. And I, I don't know. I mean, it, stuff like that really kind of like makes you wonder where, where, where does Saba go when they're not morphed? Where does he? Where does he exist? You could write like a Philip K. Dick, like a uh, uh, postmodernist take on where the sort of ranger powers are when they're not morphed, if it's real or not. I mean, is Saba real when there's no, when they're not morphed? Where does he go? I don't know. It's <laughs> a great question. Yeah, they occasionally, especially as you get further and further in, they start to elaborate on the morphing grid a little bit. But at this point, it's still pretty freaking mysterious. <laughs> Um, and the the hints that we get about how these powers work is sometimes kind of like body horror realm. Like it's kind yeah. of weird. Well, especially with Zordon seemingly at, at various times supplying Tommy's morphing power through his own energy. And I'll say this: the show did a fabulous, fabulous job selling the idea that the two of like that this was a arduous process. I mean, as a kid, you're you're kind of upset that Tommy isn't getting to join the Rangers sometimes because you want to see him kick ass because he's such a cool guy. And yet, like, I mean, when he's when Tommy has to hang back, you know, your your sympathies as a viewer shift from like being sad that he's not there to like sad for him that he doesn't get to be part of it and. I think Jason David Frank did a really good job as a, as a performer, as well as uh, Zordon, who is just a face in a cylindric tube, and uh, you know he's lending people power. He sells it; they sell it. I mean, yeah. it's it's good stuff. Well, and also, uh, it it helps the rest of the story to come into its own because when Tommy comes in in season one, he kind of becomes such a star that you forget that anything else exists for a little while. And when Tommy starts to have this problem where he can't always access the Green Ranger powers anymore, and it's dangerous sometimes for him to try to access them, and he really needs to kind of move on from doing this because this isn't going to work out forever, um, it it really helps certain characters, in particular the Red Ranger, Jason, uh, gets this opportunity to sort of realize, hey, I really am the leader of this team, and some other interesting things like that happen. Um, that I really enjoy. Uh, but yeah, there are moments where you're like, oh, I just want Tommy back. <laughs> yeah. But then he comes back and it's kind of great. But also it's kind of strange because, uh, so again, the Green Ranger is from Zoo Ranger, the Super T- Sentai show in Japan that they bought the footage from. And so the Green Ranger and the White Ranger are from two different shows because the White Ranger is from Die Ranger. Also, the footage that was filmed custom by Toei for this season and a little bit of last season was based on Zoo Ranger. So uh, Tommy's character was sort of developed a little bit in that Green Ranger. Actually, all the Rangers were to some extent. Like um, in the custom footage that Toei shot, for instance, that's where we see the, the Green Ranger and the Pink Ranger being affectionate in costume in the Sentai footage. That was at the request of Saban. Um, so we have this entirely developed version of Ranger Tommy. And then he gets the White Ranger powers. And he turns into kind of like a sassy asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's a huge shift. Yeah, it is. And... 
I, you know, just just listening to you talk about that, I'm kind of reminded of how, I mean, really, the, the entire Jason-Tommy rivalry, you can trace back to Tommy's first appearance in Green with Evil. Like, they're really going, it, it, and it's it's like a personal battle between the two of them. And we see we see kind of the the ramifications of that, particularly in the episode Missing Green, where at this point you know Tommy is is at the end of his time, and I mean even even as a viewer you can kind of tell like okay they can't keep doing this for much longer. Tommy can't keep constantly losing his power. Something's gonna happen. And Jason, you know he does he gets to in Missing Green probably like really for one of the last times gets to feel like the leader and be the leader and realize that as a leader he failed he couldn't you know however jealous he may feel of tommy the green ranger is very valuable it's not about him it's about the safety of angel grove and right. he didn't get the job done i mean he it's, it's kind of like a situation where jason got to win in the end not 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 in not in the show's end but in that and he feels he feels bad about it it's it's, it's interesting they ha- they handle that in a way the Green Ranger Red Ranger rivalry they never really kind of I, I don't know I I've always I've always loved them both and it, they've managed they managed to explore the rivalry without having that come at the cost of one of the characters yeah well and eventually it kind of becomes like a Goku Vegeta situation where yes yeah, there's an exactly. element of rivalry but also they're kind of best friends that encourage each other a lot too <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, they're they're the two uh, big martial artists. There's a lot of the uh, there's a lot of the sequences at the Angel Grove at the the juice bar where they're teaching classes or sparring. And I mean, Zach's kind of involved with that too at some point. But it, I mean, it really is kind of a Tommy Jason thing. Yeah, well, I mean, they're the Rangers that are actually really into martial arts outside of being a Power Ranger. So. It gives them this like thing to bond over outside of the suits, also, and uh, there are. It's never fully resolved, but it does kind of reach this relatively positive point where it's hard not to enjoy like the two of them kind of palling around and sparring at the beginning of a lot of episodes and just goofy stuff like that. Like that's fun. That's great. Yeah, and they had another moment. Uh, I'm thinking of in Zio when Jason. I mean, Jason came back, which was really cool. But Jason, I mean, the the Gold Ranger wasn't really in it all that much. He came back really kind of almost for basically an extended cameo. But they did have the one episode where he sort of Jason gets adjusted to not being the. I mean, Tommy was the main. I guess well, in white the white light, Tommy officially becomes the leader, but it's it's kind of a moot point because Jason's on his way out in two seconds anyway, so it's not like they actually do anything with that. I mean, the the peace conference stuff basically starts two episodes after White Light, but then when he comes back in Zio, which I think is maybe one of the few times they ever really reference, you know, he's talking about his time at the peace conference, which would have I guess at that point gone on for multiple years. Yeah, uh, yeah, interesting that they got to find so much depth in that because i mean this is a season full of a lot i mean even even with lord zed and the way that he goes from really menacing guy to uh more of a comical character they bring rita back which i mean was a really welcome change because it kind of felt you know finster didn't get a lot to do squat and babu didn't get a lot to do this season uh goldar is kind of like a yes man sort of consigliere for lord zed he's he's he fights the white ranger a lot but he's like in the first season he gets to actually you know grow and be a uh, fight the megazords a lot it felt kind of like the moon was almost like an empty place you'd see like menacing shots of lord zed in his air conditioning unit in the background the fan buzzing yeah goldar especially in this season is great in a fight and has no personality <laughs> yeah he he doesn't have his one-liners I, maybe he misses scorpina maybe if, you know they i mean he gets a they pair him again with uh rito the next season but i mean for here he's it, it's weird what he, what his place is in this all of this it's almost like he has kind of like an identity crisis yeah he's just this sort of like champion for lord zed but then like it seems to be kind of dawning on him to some extent that you know this title doesn't come with any power and it does come with a lot of risk maybe this deal isn't great (laughs) it's and it's still also like i guess it's funny because you know the 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 status quo of of the moon is is changed up so much 
and yet there's really no element of increased strategy. They're still doing the exact same thing every episode. They're still, you know, going through the motions and losing again. And I, I may, you know, the men they had to tone it down because of like fan, I mean, uh, parent complaints and everything. I almost feel like you'd have to. They would would have just kind of lost the menacing edge over time anyway. Just uh, the fact that like. Yeah, these guys are really not at all good at what they do. Like other villains in other seasons, sort of grow in over time. The uh, Turbo Zord gets captured. They have like victories along the way. Lord Zed likes he just he loses a lot. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's not incredibly menacing, and I mean Rita kind of had this problem too towards the end of season one, and uh, this is a common problem for early seasons of the power rangers and some later seasons of the power rangers too they do eventually get better overall at uh figuring some of this stuff out like in uh way ahead in the future lost galaxy for instance uh one of the redeeming features of a very messy season is that the the villains escalate and grow a lot in that season and so you really feel like yeah the rangers are growing in power and you can see that because they're defeating at one point, even like they defeat the the person that you thought was going to be the final villain of the season. Nope. Wrong. Uh, and they're like defeating these different villains and stuff. And you're like, wow, these, these Rangers, they're, they're, they're pretty good, but also the villains keep getting stronger. What the heck? And uh, it's great when a season of power Rangers is actually able to do that. But a lot of times you just end up in these situations where things drag on really long. You start to feel like, are these villains really serious about any of this? <laughs> well, you know, I've just been railing on Lord Zed's incompetence, but he, this season we get uh, Serpentera. I'm pretty sure I've pronounced it the right way. There's a heavy metal band with like the same same line. I remember when my dad, my dad's a big metalhead, uh, discovered them. I was like, oh, that's a Power Rangers word. Um... But uh, it's, Lord Zed gets to command his own Zord, which is not only really, really cool. If you're listening to this Power Rangers podcast, you probably know that it gets to come back later in Wild Force for the Forever Red episode. But uh, Serpentera got a lot of different... Uh, it got to uh, fight, I guess, the Red uh, Thunder Zord a lot, which, or uh, a few times, which was cool. And it was always cool to see the Red uh, Thunder Zord fight by itself. I was uh, I really liked that that they would give the other oh, yeah. swords they would combine with the tiger sword and I'm just throwing out like a hundred different things at once which is always helpful in a podcast. <laughs> there's a lot to there's a lot to say here. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I, and actually, yeah, uh, different Megazord configurations and stuff like that. That's always one of the fun things about this show. This season is a little mixed on it because again, there's all these Zord fights where the the Zords and the monsters don't actually touch. But but there is still some fun stuff and yeah, Serpentera is like the coolest one of the coolest Zords. Actually, I think that Zord that uh, Rita brings in Doomsday is my favorite Zord of all time. But Serpentera is up there. Yeah, that's a really cool one. Yeah, and what you said about the Zord, it it seemed like sometimes the Zord see like obviously the Zord like Mega Zord formation sequence is gonna take time. I mean, that's kind of like the pillar of Power Rangers. The I did that they're killing a lot of time. I mean, all the Dragon Ball Z episodes are, uh, you know, have, have episode upon episode of filler. And right. my, my partner and I, are we're just getting to the end of the the main show with filler and all when we started watching it when we just started dating like four years ago. So funny, yeah, funny coincidence. sounds about right. Yeah. Well, we, it's not like we've watched it uh, every day, but it's taken absolutely forever. It felt like in this with the Megazord, it felt like the sequences took up most of the fight. Yeah. And then, because there were so many episodes where the Thunder Zord, uh, like, it would basically get hit once, and then they would play, like, the pump-up music, and it whip out the sword and game over. That's uh, that's all she wrote. And not only that, this season, the Thunder Zord, the cockpit, is probably one of the lamer ones. There's like no controls. They're all just kind of standing there. Uh, Tommy's <laughs> is Tommy's is a bit more fun, but uh, I think well that one, you know, is it, it? It's true that the the Tommy's one would be Sente, and then the Zord the Zord cockpit for uh, the Thunder Zord probably would have been original footage because they wouldn't have had a Sente comparison to use. Yeah, 
Uh, it's a mess. There's too many sources of footage. And yet, <laughs> Not enough I mean, cohesion. <laughs> this is this is this is a fun mess. I mean, there's there's so much going on here. There's so many episodes that they they figure out a way to make an instant classic. Like just just comparing it to the first season. Like the first season had like banger after banger of monsters, and I felt like this they. They 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 really had to uh, uh, strive out like white light a huge huge episode uh, you know uh, uh, for a lot of people who grew up on Power Rangers it one that you'd seen a lot because it was readily available. They fight Nimrod who, in a bizarre coincidence, uh, I looked up Nimrod earlier. It's possible Nimrod was named after the X Men villain, and two episodes after. Two episodes before this one on this podcast, we covered the X-Men Krakoa, where Nimrod is probably the biggest existential threat. So we get two Nimrods in basically three episodes. What a treat. Um, Nimrod, <laughs> Nimrod is like the villain of that. And like for the Tiger Zord's like grand debut, that that that's not the greatest Zord fight on the planet Earth for how cool like everything else about White Light was. Kind of yeah. kind of kind of a letdown. Yeah, it's weird. It, that's a that's a problem with this season. Like I said, there's a lot of high concept storytelling that just sort of gets mashed into a a, a big mess with some other stuff, and then you're kind of left like, was that? Did I just watch something great or terrible? I'm not really not sure. Yeah, like um, you know, I I think a lot of people can relate to like wanting to be an amateur songwriter and and getting kind of like imposter syndrome and feeling like you're never going to be good enough. I know I feel that a lot as a writer and a comedian. Uh, Lord Zed, when Kimberly was trying to be a songwriter, uh, he responded by making Guitardo, which has got to be like what? I mean, it's just like, what a what a douchebag. Why would he do that? It's so mean. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the villains, the villains in some of these early seasons, and season two definitely has a lot of this. They they really like to try to get in the rangers' heads. <laughs> like, it's like the meanest. I wouldn't have written another song again. You did, and it, it, it would. I mean, I we, there's some of this in the first season, but like, there's something different about the idea that Lord Zed is watching these people's every move. I mean, sometimes they'd have the frame where you could like see things through Lord Zed's perspective with his, his visor. There was there's something different in the power structure about Lord Zed preying on these kids than Rita. I mean, she's just it's it's different. It's weird. She was already over the line at times, but Lord Zed just doesn't even believe in the line. Yeah. Like, <laughs> He has he has no concept of going too far. Um and yeah, he's just like all the time he'll just be like watching them at school and one of the rangers will just be like, "Dang, I'm feeling really insecure about like my acne or some, you know, after school special stuff like that." And Lord Zed will be like, "Ah, an acne monster." <laughs> Just just preying on these like insecure teenagers' yeah. worst fears at all times. <laughs> and ma what makes it even more messed up is that like Finster's not making the monsters anymore. Lord Zed has a guy in house who could do this for him, and he's still just getting out of his throne and doing it himself. Like it's 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 so deeply personal and his it's it's like Rita like Finster's not a bad guy. He he's he just he's a he makes his monsters. He likes to build. He's got a bad impl. I mean, he, he would probably work for Amazon or something. Uh, just like want to create. D doesn't care that he works for a corporate overlord. Lord Zed is like you know fuck you. You don't don't do any of this. I'm gonna go make the really personal villain to go after these guys. Like it's you you kind of wonder after a time. Like dude, why don't you go down? You have a pretty nice weapon. Go down there. Fight them yourself, dude. You clearly want to. It's 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 this game of like it's like a it's like a really toxic relationship. It's like it's it's he's like a scorn lover. Like he's gonna make a Taylor Swift album about them. <laughs> it's also like there's an aspect of like aristocracy to the villains. And actually oh, yeah, I mean, this yeah, is yeah. addressed in some interesting ways where like we slowly learn over the course of the many seasons of the Power Rangers things like there are schools just for like space villain aristocrats um and things of that nature 
Um, and yeah, so it really feels like with Lord Zed, even more so than Rita Repulsa, that he just doesn't want to get his hands dirty. He's just horrified by the idea that he should actually have to get involved because these Power Rangers are like legitimately working class heroes. Um, you know, they come from like relatively modest backgrounds in general. We even see some episodes where we find out that not all of them have perfect home lives and stuff like that. Um, and uh, Lord Zed is just like, he's just looking down his nose like, I shouldn't have to go talk to the strike leaders. That's ridiculous. I'm the CEO of this company. <laughs> yeah, and he starts off, too, along those same lines. He gives Goldar back his wings. It's like he's, uh, you know, buying pizza for the overworked workers. He's, like, giving them this <laughs> this thing for them to feel better about themselves. And then it's like, oh, yeah, you feel good. Yeah, I gave you this. Now you're going to go here. Go. Adam's having a confidence strike. Go and go and uh, he's, he's, he's really in doubt of himself. Go and go and go and you know, prey on that. And, yeah, I mean, the, all, all the efforts later to kind of soften Goldar, I mean, he's still, he was such a badass in the first season. He's really badass fighting Tommy, but a lot of the time he's just, he's really stuck with the weight of being Lord Zed's lackey. You've, you know, you got a couple other putties in the shot, but it's, it's really, it's kind of the two of them against the world. And I mean, that, that's kind of why the wedding is in, in Lord Zed's more comedic, uh, turn is is kind of welcome it's nice to get more cooks in the kitchen even if they're still gonna screw up constantly yeah the wedding is the wedding is so special <laughs> like it's so yeah. wonderful and you know if that's not even enough like that's a great moment for this season they go back in time too i mean they do everything they 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 have the uh they have the wild west rangers which is yep. choice oh I don't know how I can begin to like think of like that continuity, Kimberly going back and all. I mean, that also kind of sets up what they did in uh, Alien Rangers too, which was cool. They've done time travel pretty well, all things considered. Low budget show with uh, that's already got kind of a loose grasp on you know it has to reverse engineer everything, which doesn't make the greatest continuity uh, the easiest thing for continuity. And they they those episodes are really fun. Wild West Rangers is probably one of the best uh, two parters of the season. I guess some of them would be three parters, though. Yeah. Multi part. Which it's... of which of the multi parts is your favorite? Uh, you know, um, I think either white light or maybe the wedding. Honestly, the wedding is so much fun. <laughs> it like, is. It's the wackiest plot. And it's really, I love when we get to see a lot of the villains and what they're up to and how they're messing with each other and backstabbing each other and tricking each other and all this stuff. And the wedding really gets deep into the politics of the villain world, kind of for the first time. And I just love it so, so much. And also, it starts to establish this precedent that Rita and Zed, whenever they think that they're going to beat the Rangers, they throw a rager. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's, it, the, you know, that's, that's really, it is, because I mean, you know, this is, this is a, you know, this is a perpetual song and dance that these two sides are going to go at. You know, that one side is not going to prevail over the other permanently because there's got to be another show. It is really nice to see the villains celebrate their wins because you, it, as an audience, it's it's easy to get. It, it makes it easier to root for them because you you they're invested too, so you can be invested as well. Yeah, I see that completely. And it is great to see all the other. It was just also kind of nice as you get older and know how sort of low budget everything was. They had those costumes lying around. They brought them back. Like they they didn't just kind of wreck them to make new ones or sell them. They yeah. had uh you know this is a show that cares about its own rich lore. It really we, does. We have not talked about uh, Tor yet, who is uh, not uh, the place that you go to to buy drugs online, but the uh, carrier, um, the uh, Tor, the what's his like the shuttle, the the big turtle guy, forgetting his full name. Oh, the, now the, I'm forgetting season, it too. <laughs> season two is Titanius or Titania. 
Yeah, you have you have Titanus, the the giant. Because uh, they don't use they don't use Tor that often. He he appears in the Serpentera episode, but um, yeah, the Zords climb on a turtle instead of it's actually it's kind of like Discworld, uh, which is set up <laughs> on a bunch of tortoises and and elephants. The they the Power Rangers, the Zords climb up on a tur- turtle when they need extra firepower. Which I don't know why they would need extra firepower because they never actually get their hands dirty going to fight people, and yet they sometimes need an extra boost to. I've always wondered when, like, who who makes the call or the assessment? How much how much of a city needs to be destroyed before they call in one of like the the absolute big guns? Yeah, you never know because they don't want to escalate. Like that's fine, but we're also that takes us into kind of a Batman situation where. Sure, he doesn't want to kill, but how many people have to get lose everything as a result of that? Right, right. Um, it's, it's... Yeah, there's there's some interesting stuff with that, especially because the the whole thing with like having this giant like platform tank Zord comes directly from the Sentai shows, and Power Rangers never really manages to interpret that very well (laughs) um every time they try to like cram that feature in it never really works and then eventually they just kind of give up on some of that in later seasons and they they don't bring over the final form where you put 10 zords together because that just apparently doesn't play as well to american audiences (laughs) Well, it can kind of feel like overload too, because I mean, you've you, you, you by then you would have gone through a bunch of Megazord sequences already. Yeah, I mean, like just I mean, there are some Godzilla movies where they just try and throw every single monster in, and I think in a lot of ways that kind of exposes some of like the 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 imperfections of the set or whatnot when you're constantly going back and forth and there's more people coming in and it, it almost it feels like they're going for sensory overload just for that reason so that you're not like thinking like hmm that was a cardboard box that guy just kicked over which just looks like cardboard and they're just like throwing i don't know they there's sometimes they just go uh too overboard with the sensory overload and you you think like okay this is this is getting kind of dumb and you know how many zords does it take to turn a light bulb (laughs) and also i think uh there's just an aspect of lost in translation you know stuff to this where in the sentai shows um which i haven't watched as much uh of the original sentais as i have of uh the power rangers but i have watched some uh in the sentai shows they tend to put a bit more lore into the zords and the powers and things like that um especially because a lot of these sentai shows that they're drawing from don't relate that strongly to one another and things like the morphing grid that tie together various seasons of the power rangers is an entirely american invention um so uh whereas the power rangers has this longer kind of uh lore that you can take from multiple seasons and really build something um the sentai shows they really got to cram it in and so they tend to actually explain a lot like these swords come from this specific source and here's why they're magical and here's what they can do and here's the lore of how you become the wielder of one of these magic swords that turns you into a power ranger or whatever. Um, And I think if you had more of that, maybe some of this would feel more justified. But the attitude, especially in this season, is like, hey, here's some new swords. And you're like, wait, hold on. And they're like, no, here they are. They're on screen. And you're like, wait, hold on. I didn't, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it also, it may make, makes you think they're just doing it so you can buy the toys. Yeah. <laughs> For I mean, sure. Hearing, listening to you talk about all of that. I mean, it, it, it kind of reinforces sort of what was, what was special about the season in the sense that later on Power Rangers realized that, hey, you know, it's okay to basically do a soft reboot every year. New cast, new Zords, new outfits, all of that. But this is a season where they're not convinced that essentially just ditching everything they've done before, the characters, the villains, all of that, is a good idea. And they're finding that, hey, you know, we 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 want to we want Power Rangers to go on. We don't want to keep paying for new Sente footage to uh, meet this. 
but they're still also trying to like cling to everything that they they built before. I mean, it's a it's a show in in probably more so more more ways than any other season is is it's a season that is just so constantly at war with itself figuring out what what it wants to be and what it can be moving forward and what's most realistic for it to be moving forward yeah so that's really well put um yeah it's 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 still complicated and i will say even once they start switching to the more every season can be its own thing format the power rangers has more long-term continuity in a lot of ways than the super sentai shows that it comes from and i think that speaks to why the power rangers has become such a phenomenon it's not just a phenomenon here it gets imported back to japan because it's that well loved Huh. I, don't that, know, I, don't, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, no, it, it gets imported back to Japan. It gets imported to a lot of different countries, uh, the EU, Korea, uh, just tons of places pick up the Power Rangers. It's, it's, it's a globally beloved phenomenon. And so, yeah, Power Rangers is so, it's the most popular Sentai series of all time, and uh, which is just very funny to think about how how art can work like that, you know? Yeah. Um, how, a, how an Im- interpretation by somebody, you know, just sort of like taking this footage through the kaleidoscope and uh, reimagining it could become so popular. But, but yeah, I think, um, I think there is an aspect of that that is part of what makes the Power Rangers so popular, and I think it makes things work but i do think in some ways the show is a little better off once they're not afraid to just abandon things and start something new each season because season two really is the perfect example of how just this slow roll changing things kind of awkwardly and without a lot of continuity is just confusing and didn't actually add a lot to the storytelling No, and I mean, it really doesn't feel like this season ever got any elongated period where it got to really stretch its legs because you have the first bit where they're still, like, using the rest of the Zeranger 2 footage, and then, you know, it's time for Tommy to lose his powers, become White Ranger, then it's the Peace Conference, and, I mean, from there, from there they get to, like, a, a, a bit of normalcy, but... It, 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 a lot of a lot of TV show productions are kind of like you know you're you're just trying to keep the ship the glue together long enough to get uh, to the next episode. This this is a season uh, uh, full of that. All the while, it's being a global phenomenon. It can't really contain itself. And I mean, this is really probably one of the points of its biggest popularity. So I mean, the fact that they basically still managed to land the ship without it exploding is still the global phenomenon. I mean, we had uh, a couple, I would say it was like two years ago, we had uh, Michael Hurston, who is most famous for Aeolus and Hercules' Legendary Journeys. But uh, he was talking about how he was, uh, he does a lot of directing now. Uh, he was going off to direct one of the episodes, and I was like, I was as- asking him about it, and he's like, well, I feel like they have most of the, like half the footage already, it's going to be the easiest job in the world. And Looking at season two, it's not the easiest job in the world. This was hard as shit what they did. And yeah. I think I, I I just I, I'm like trying in my head to imagine the writer's room here. I mean, as much as they had one, sort of figuring out how, how this, this arc was gonna go. Cause they clearly did want to get rid of Tommy and they couldn't. And I mean, this season also gives them the first inkling that yeah, you can replace Rangers and the show will go on. It's not a show that just is is attached to its lead characters it'll yeah we ex- don't it'll exploit them we don't have to have the same people under the mask all the time that's not that's not required yeah i mean it's 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 exciting to see them kind of explore you know is this a show about rangers or is it about the teenagers with attitude and you know we got bulk Bul- Bul- and skull uh there for the ride um you have a favorite episode for this season um hmm I think, uh, I mean, it's probably the easy choice would be like White Light Part 1. But I would also say like, I think uh, Goldar's Vice Versa is a really underrated gem. Yeah, I really like that one. Um, It's great to see Goldar shine. (laughs) 
yeah. he's a good villain when he's on. Oh. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I am looking. I have a Goldar action figure on my. He's sitting next to the one of two of the the Zeo Red Battlezord and the second set of Zeo Megazords. I forget what they're called. Yeah, that's great. I I really like the Return of the Green Ranger, so that the Dragon Zord can kick the shit out of the Tiger Zord. And good also, that's a funny one because that's the one where uh, Scorpina comes back and. Yeah, like pretends to be a high schooler. <laughs> she she really is one of the more like fat, fat like, the best tertiary characters. Just somebody who is around when you need her and is is always menacing. She she did she did a really really great job. I yeah, that's and Goldar always great when Goldar gets a friend because you know we all we all need friends and uh, yeah. He he had a rough season, but he per, he persevered, and uh, he got to meet Bulk and Skull and Zio. But that's not a that's not a topic for this uh, season. Oh, Kennedy, uh, it's you know I uh, I figured you would be a great guest because you're an expert on this topic, and uh, I've I've learned something in this episode. Uh, it's it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you. I appreciate so much the opportunity to to come talk about it. Obviously, I I enjoy talking about the Power Rangers a lot. Uh, it wasn't really my intention to become a Power Rangers expert, but uh, it's just this uh, thing that has slowly happened. Yeah, it's. I and, mean, I get it. It's it's. There's something about it's just so fun. I I, I love it. I mean, you know, fans of the show know that. You know, we have a lot of fandoms we cover and a lot of stuff that we do. This one just, it brings you so much joy. I mean, you know what you're getting when you sit down for an episode. You're getting 20 minutes of, of solid entertainment. It never disappoints. I, yeah. Well, sometimes, sometimes it does, but most of the time it doesn't. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty fun overall. And it, it was definitely, for me, when I was a kid, it was one of the most aspirational shows that I was watching regularly that really helped me like build my own confidence through like watching these uh, teenagers go through their struggles. And also it was like, it was the show that made me want to get older as a kid. You know, I wanted to be like an 18 year old badass that could punch a monster in the face. And uh, so I I am, it's a really, it's a really special show in a lot of ways. And a lot of times it manages to, have these great morals and storytelling and things kind of roped into it and i think even though season two is kind of this long slog with no real beginning or end uh there are still moments like that in here (laughs) yeah and i mean i i I told this story in our last power rangers episode but when i was little when, when i saw tommy and i was I mean, I, I I had signs of gender dysphoria as, as a young kid from a pretty early age, but when I saw Tommy, who was a long-haired guy, it 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 valid. I mean, I didn't know I was trans, I didn't have the terminology, I didn't have the language, any of that, but I saw him, and I, I felt really validated in, in both him and, I guess, also Kimberly, really, because she had long hair, too. And I always wanted that, and I went to Catholic school where they would make you cut your hair, and there was nothing I hated more than a haircut. I always think of Tommy, and he he really was. He was inspirational to me, and uh, I had a chance to tell J- J- Jason David Frank that through his publicist, which was uh, kind of, uh, I guess, cathartic in, in uh, my transition, but it, it, it does. I mean, it's weird, because you, you, people say, oh, Power Rangers is for kids, it's dumb. This show means a lot. It's a fun show, and it meant a lot to me as a little kid, and I'll always appreciate it for that. And it's also it's so fun. It's, it's great stuff. Zords. I mean, what could be better than watching a bunch of Zords fight each other? Although, I mean, in other seasons, it was nice when they actually did fight each other, and they didn't just cut, uh, splice the other scenes of them fighting. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, anyway. I prefer I prefer a real fight, not the you know <laughs> you are already dead fist of the North Star style. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that, that's that's a mess. Season two is a mess, but this episode was not a mess. We covered a lot of ground, and that was uh, certainly great. Uh, Kennedy, we will link to uh, where we can find all of uh, your stuff. Uh, check out check out Sensei Truthers. Uh, if you love this, uh, they have a whole podcast full of uh, Sensei stuff that's uh, just uh, so fun to explore. And I mean, it covers you cover a ton of seasons too. Yeah, and we cover some stuff outside the Power Rangers as well. Uh, we recently watched um, Common Teacher, which is a common writer 
show about a uh, sort of world where high schools have become very lawless and delinquents are running wild. And uh, they institute this common teacher program where common writers beat up high school students. And uh, you might think that sounds amazingly messed up, but uh, it ends with like a pretty ACAB message. <laughs> so uh, it's pretty, pretty cool, actually. <laughs> So that's the kind of stuff you'll get to hear about on the Sentai Truther Club, not just Power Rangers, but some weird stuff, too, that you've never heard of before. <laughs> well, you learn something new every day. I've learned so much talking with you, Kennedy. It's been a pleasure. And to everybody listening, thank you so much, and we will see you next time. No, I'm not going to sing that anymore. <laughs>